SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Here on the morning after on Sports Grid, you're listening on Sirius XM Channel 204 with Ben Stevens. I'm Ariel Epstein. This hour, we'll give you the early leans for Major League Baseball's board. Only about five games on the slate tonight, which is pretty bad considering Tom Vecchio just joined us in the last hour and made me second guess everything that I handicapped last night. I'm going to try to stay strong to my word, though. We have two great guests joining us. I love two guest happy hours. First, Brian Bernatsky going to break down how the soccer landscape has changed with the best player in soccer, Lionel Messi, going over to PSG. Also, last guest of our hour, it's going to be Dave Sharapen from here on Sports Grid, former odds maker. Mm. I don't know what we're going to talk about with Dave, but it's going to be something crazy. And he told me that he hates something in sports betting, and I'm going to ask him about it and make him make a pick. We're going to go to our West Coast wake-up, though, and first we've got to talk about the National League West. It is craziness. Now, the National League East is horrible. The National League West is amazing. There's so much talent at the top, and the San Francisco Giants capped the list. The San Francisco Giants are four games ahead of the Los Angeles Dodgers. They just took two out of three on the road in Milwaukee against the Brewers, and the best way to bet the San Francisco Giants is if you see that they are dogs on the road, you bet them. Money line, run line. They're 29 and 4 on the run line, the Giants, when booked as a road dog this year. Ben, not only were we lucky in getting the plus one and a half on San Francisco, we were lucky because we got some of the best starters for the Brewers, which meant that the plus one and a half for the Giants wasn't heavily juiced like it normally is. And that's the only thing at any time that can detract you from backing the Giants on the run line is if the juice you have to pay is too substantial. That was not the case this past weekend or the week before that or the week before that many times because they were playing some of the best teams in all of baseball. This past weekend, it was the Brewers. Two weekends ago, it was the Astros. A little bit before that, the L.A. Dodgers. And the Giants have been absolutely incredible all year. Straight up, they are 71-41 and 41 overall, the best record in all of Major League Baseball. They are also 71-41 and 41 on the run line, covering at 63.4% and nearly covering those run line spreads by a run, a plus 0.9 run line coverage plus differential. That is substantial, substantial stuff on the Giants. And the fact they have the same run line and straight up record absolutely boggles my mind. And yet... Somehow, someway, the San Francisco Giants are not the favorite to win the National League West. We asked John Sheeran about that early on in the show, but still, the San Francisco Giants are plus 115, a plus money price to win the National League West. It is the shortest price we have seen all year long on the Giants and the Dodgers on the flip side, who are now only minus 140, but it blows my mind they are still not the favorites to win the National League West with a four-game lead with only about 50 games left in this Major League Baseball season. They have the second shortest odds to win the NL pennant at plus 440. The fourth shortest odds do the San Francisco Giants have to win the entire thing in the World Series at 10 to one right now. Still the best record in all of baseball and still a plus money price to win their division, a division they have a four game lead in Ariel there in the National League West. 
it is very strange that the sports book just won't change this. And at least it is getting a little shorter. You're getting the Dodgers not in the minus 200 range anymore. It was minus 210 just about a week or two ago. Um, so National League West still moving in on the Giants, just not fully yet. Welcome to our Sports Grid Radio audience. Third final hour here on the morning after Sirius XM Channel 204, the Mightier 1090 on the West Coast. With Ben Stevens, I'm Ariel Epstein. Another pitcher that had a big day yesterday, it was Blake Snell, the starting pitcher for the San Diego Padres. The Padres beat the Diamondbacks 2-0. Snell cashed in minus 225 on the money line and had 13 strikeouts against an Arizona team that really doesn't strike out a lot. Uh, Snell ended up helping the Padres take two out of three from Arizona. The Padres are still seven and a half games back of the National League West, yet they have to hold on to that wild card spot, Ben. And that's where things get interesting when you look at the National League. Because right now, the two other teams in the NL West, and not the two other teams we thought we would be highlighting at the beginning of the season, but the Dodgers and the Padres are in those two spots for the National League wildcard. The Dodgers in the top spot with a three-and-a-half game advantage in the wildcard over the Padres. The Padres have a two-and-a-half game lead themselves for that second and final NL wildcard spot over the Cincinnati Reds. But the Reds, Ariel are storming back into contention. They have won five straight games, eight of their last 10. They have guys like Jesse Winker, Nick Castellanos, and Joey Votto just going crazy right now. And we will detail that Reds game coming up here in just about 20 minutes because they are one of the five teams to play today, a one-game makeup game in Cleveland against the Tribe today. And their starter today, Luis Castillo, is a big reason why this resurgence for Cincy has taken place. So that's where we focus right now for both the Padres and the Dodgers, really, in the NL playoff picture is that wild card spot. The Dodgers in the top spot, a three and a half game lead over the Padres. The Padres in the second spot, a two and a half game lead over the Reds. But the Reds, winners of five straight, they're hunting for that second and final wild card spot in the National League. Really excited to watch this National League pan out, considering there's so many interesting races. The Brewers are pretty much up there for the Central, yet you look to the East, it's going to be a rush to the finish. The West, can the Dodgers really make a push at the end? The National League is going to heat up, and whoever out of the National League West doesn't win the division, are you going to see two wildcard teams, or is it, as Ben mentioned, going to be the Cincinnati Reds? Coming up next, we are going to talk some soccer. Lionel Messi in the last week has really shaken things up in the football world. He's going over to PSG, going to play with Neymar. It's going to really shake up the odds as well. Even though PSG was already heavily favored about a week ago, the deal is done, and Brian Bernatsky is going to join us to help us talk about what's going to happen in the next year in soccer. You're listening here on SiriusXM Channel 204, the Sports Grid Network. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.
Back on the morning after on Sports Grid, Sirius XM Channel 204 with Ben Stevens. I'm Ariel Epstein. Joining us, our soccer expert or football, whatever you'd like to call it, it is Brian Bernatsky joining the show. Bernie, a lot has gone on in the soccer world in the last week, a lot of drama. Now, for people that may not be as informed in the soccer world, what was it that led to Lionel Messi, the best player in soccer? What was it that led him to leaving Barcelona and going to PSG? Yeah, first of all, thank you guys for having me back. And uh, the best part about football is a very short offseason, especially when you get a World Cup or a Euros like we had. So right on to the 2021-2022 season. So ultimately what led to uh, Messi leaving was the debt that Barcelona's in and just the inability to have the funds, um, which is interesting because last year he wanted out uh, more from a football perspective. Uh, This year he was... Um, determined to stay and it just couldn't work out Um, they've got a massive debt problem and besides giving Lionel Messi a a chunk of uh, equity in the club they were not going to be able to work that out so off he goes to a I believe a two-year deal with PSG and boy does uh, does that team look exciting Uh, he matches up and pairs up top with uh, Neymar and Mbappe which you know you can make the case is probably the best trio up top that you'll ever see uh, Luis Suarez may have something to say about that when Messi and Neymar and Suarez teamed up together at Barcelona, but uh, the odds of PSG to win the Champions League goes from plus 600 to plus 340, which still not the favorite. Uh, Man City still the favorite right now at plus 300, but um, an insane move for Messi, who uh, love, loves to play with Neymar, and uh, they're obviously going to be exciting in the French League, but they are minus 750 to win that league, so not a lot of drama internally there. Yeah, Bernie, we were just talking about that idea that even before Messi went to PSG, they were minus 470 on the FanDuel Sportsbook, now somewhere in that ballpark of 7-1 to one or 7.5-1 to one to win the top league in France. So is there any other team that provides some competition in France, or is it going to be just a route by PSG this season? Yeah, you know, it, it, you could say maybe Lille, maybe Monaco, but no, it, it's going to be a runaway. Um, PSG... Uh, it's going to dominate the French League. And and honestly, you know, this has been a problem for PSG. They've never won the Champions League. So everything they're doing, all the moves they're making, uh, signing Gigi Wijnaldum and a couple others uh, to pair with Verratti and Marquinhos, uh, Di Maria still in play there. All of these moves are being made for them to win the Champions League. Um, a lot of times, you know, you get, you know, take it to uh, American sports, you go to a smaller conference team uh, that dominates outside of the Power Five, but then they get into a big bowl game uh, or you know something like that, and they're not used to playing that competition. So that's been a big problem for PSG. Is you know they're not tested, um, battle tested like a lot of these teams in the Premier League and the Bundesliga, um, which you know you could certainly say is a big reason why they've never won a Champions League title. Uh, but they are looking to right that ship, and I think they've got a good start signing the best player of all time. As you mentioned, we're here with Brian Bernaski. As you mentioned about having the second best odds to win the Champions League, is that where you would say the value is on PSG right now? I don't know how it couldn't be. Um, now, Man City's still got some work to do. They're still trying to bring over Harry Kane, so that offense is going to get more potent. They just lost the Community Shield on Saturday, one nothing to Leicester, and I think that either, even further magnified their issue, which is a natural goal scorer up top now that Aguero uh, is off to Spain. Um, so they need Harry Kane, uh, but certainly, you know, you get PSG plus 340, 
They're not the favorite right now. I think they'll certainly end up being the favorite as people start to watch that team play because they're going to put up a lot of goals. And certainly Champions League is a lot about matchups, which you never know because of the draw. But if I'm getting PSG plus 340. I don't know if you'll ever get better odds on them than right now today uh, as this tournament goes on for about the next you know eight or nine months. So on the flip side of Messi going to PSG, that obviously leaves a big hole for Barcelona, you would assume. And they have the second shortest <clears throat> odds to win La Liga at 2-1 to one behind Real Madrid. So what is the outlook for Barcelona this year? Yeah, I would tread really lightly with Barcelona. Um, they were, you know, essentially throwing things against the wall and hoping that they were going to stick to surround Messi with these players. And obviously he's departed, but... Um, it's an older team now. It, it's got a team with some young players that are unproven. Um, Real Madrid, you know, certainly they bring Bale back from Tottenham. Um, but that league is interesting because I think you could find an Atletico Madrid, uh, which would be my favorite uh, pick with the value there to win um, to win that league. I, I just I don't believe in Barcelona without Messi. They weren't great with Messi last year. They looked out of sync. They didn't make it very far in the Champions League. Um, they didn't win the title, so I, I don't know. I, I tread lightly on Barcelona until we can actually see them play, and I think they're just hoping a lot of these signings that they've made, which have had to be value signings because of their debt problem, um, you know, I would really tread lightly until we see them actually perform on the field. Bernie, speaking of that debt problem in Barcelona, watching Messi get up on the stage crying, saying he wanted to stay, they just couldn't make it happen financially. What does it mean to the sport when one of the best players in the sport cannot stay with the team it wants to stay with? It's tough. Um, you know, a global pandemic doesn't help where you can't have any fans in the stadium for 18 months, as you've seen a lot of these uh, clubs in England um, have really suffered. And, you know, a lot of it is the government helping to, um, you know, sort of do what we did here in the country with PPP loans and things like that. But uh, undoubtedly, it's tough. Now, it, it, you know, it's the case where Messi is probably making over $100 million a year. So he is very, very well paid. He was renting a $225,000 a month house in Miami this summer. So um, he was making an extraordinary amount of money, more than our top athletes do um, in America. But, yeah, it, it's tough. Um, but as you can see, there's always another club that's willing to step up and pay them. Um, I think you know money is ultimately always going to be there for a club like Barcelona, but you just can't afford to run – a club the way you want to when you've got a guy like Messi uh, making over a hundred million dollars it's at the end of the day if anything happens like a global pandemic um, it's going to hurt your club and as you could see it hurt Barcelona because they lost the best player of all time and ironically they lost him when he didn't want to leave whereas last year he did um, they really put their foot down so uh, would have loved for him to be in the the Premier League but he goes to France and he's got one goal which is to win the Champions League and get PSG over the hump. Bernie, you mentioned that Man City is the favorite to win the Champions League. They are also the favorite, the odds-on favorite, to win the Premier League at minus 155. Where do you think the value is in that market? Obviously, probably not playing that minus money price. Yeah, I, you know, I think that's actually going to go up, too. I think uh, they'll get this Harry Kane deal done. Um, you know, Bernardo Silva may be involved in that. I, I know Tottenham is asking for a player in return, but Bernardo Silva has uh, been very public in saying he would like to go back to Spain or Italy. Um, so we'll see there. But 
I think you get Liverpool and Chelsea at about five to one right now. Uh, your guy, Ben Lukaku, looking like he's going to be back uh, at Stamford Bridge with Chelsea. So, um, again, I, I think Chelsea at five to one. They beat uh, Manchester City, excuse me, in the Champions League final. Um, I was wrong on that game. Uh, two shells had a pretty good record against Pep. Um, you know, Liverpool lost a big player in Wijnaldum. You know, we'll see how they do when, when they get Virgil van Dijk back in the back. Uh, defense was really their problem last year. But I think Chelsea 5-1 to one right now, uh, before Lukaku officially signs, I guess the physical and everything, is it's pretty good value. And then you get United at plus 750. Um, they do bring uh, Judd and Sancho over from the Bundesliga. But if I'm taking my value play here, it's definitely Chelsea at 5-1, to one. Uh, even though I do think those Man City odds are going to continue to go up once Kane joins them. Only about 30 seconds, Bernie. However, what would your advice be to new soccer bettors? Yeah, uh, remember the key rule. It's a 90-minute bet, uh, which should help because uh, there's no extra time uh, with these uh, club club games. But uh, know that it's a 90-minute bet. Um, you can always hop on a game live. My, my love is to hop on a team that's the favorite before a game, get them down 1-0 early, hop on that team live. Um, and just a quick switch, if you want a, a nice futures play in college basketball that's value, get on the Memphis Tigers. Amani Bates will be committing to them this week. Uh, I think everybody's got them in Memphis. Those odds are going to continue to drop. Uh, you can get them maybe between 30 and 40 to 1. I expect that to get to around 20 or below. Memphis Tigers, national champions, You've college basketball. you got to get to break, but you are making Ben real happy right now. Brian Bernadsky, thanks for joining us. Thanks, guys. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Morning after on Sports Grid, Sirius XM Channel 204 with Ben Stevens. I'm Ariel Epstein. We actually are going to have a guest joining us now for two segments because he was so excited to come on the show that he hopped on a segment early, and I have no issue bringing him on for two. So, Dave Sharapan, thanks for joining us today. Well, good morning to both of you, um, two of my favorite people here on the grid. Um, the morning after. Listen, when you send a text or something, you say you want to come on, I, I couldn't wait. So I get to see Ben coming off the dog party, you yeah. in the morning. Come on. This is, this is perfect. And you get to be part of our Major League Baseball breakdown. So, guys, we're going to run this stinger. Ooh. It's time for K-Props. I know Ben and I are on the same page for this strikeout prop, so Dave, you can respond. I'll let Ben break it down because I want you to respond to Ben instead of me today. Freddie Peralta, his strikeout prop for the Milwaukee Brewers up against the Cubs. Ben, why do you like it? The prop queen knights me to do the explanation of a strikeout prop. How lucky must I be? And then doubly lucky to be joined by our sportsbook conciliary, Dave Sharapan, to go over the advice that I give out. So here's why I like Freddie Peralta's K-prop, besides the fact that Freddie Peralta has been a stud this year. Now, you heard Tom Vecchio 
earlier in the show mentioned the weather at Wrigley Field. There might be some rain showers tonight on the north side of Chicago. It also, the wind is blowing out at Wrigley. Freddie Peralta has a high fly ball rate, doesn't give up a lot of home runs. Tom feels there is some negative regression waiting to happen. I don't care. I focus on the strikeout prop. It's at 7.5 right now for Freddie Peralta against the Cubs. The Cubs have the highest strikeout rate in all of Major League Baseball against right-handed pitchers this year at 26.6%. Over the last two weeks, it has got even higher to 27.3%. The Cubs are pretty much fielding a AAA lineup right now and a AAA lineup that's probably going 500 at minor league ball. So when you have Freddie Peralta on the bump, who has been incredible this year for the Brew Crew. He has now faced the Chicago Cubs four times. Tonight will be his fifth in those four starts against the Cubs. Seven strikeouts, eight strikeouts, 10 strikeouts, eight strikeouts, averaging 8.3 strikeouts per game. So over the total that has been posted right now on FanDuel at seven and a half. Over the last two months, Freddie Peralta hasn't faced a lot of teams that rank inside the top 10 in K-rate versus right-handed pitching. Only the Arizona Diamondbacks, which he did twice. That was 10 strikeouts and 9 strikeouts. And in his most recent outing, Ariel and Dave, because you guys both know how hard it is to strike out the Pittsburgh Pirates, that the sixth lowest K-rate this year, despite not being a very good uh, baseball team overall in the record book, you have Freddie Peralta striking out the Pirates nine times just this past week. So I actually lean to the over of Freddie Peralta's strikeout prop tonight on the FanDuel Sportsbook at 7.5, weather permitting. Dave Sherapan, your response. Wow. I just got to take a deep breath after all that. That was strong. <laughs> I mean, you want to talk about making a case. And you took a shot at my Pirates, too, while you did it. That was yeah. that was all well, very well done. You're wearing a Phillies hat. What are you doing taking a shot at your Pirates wearing a Phillies hat? Listen, you know I'm from Pittsburgh. That's Pittsburgh in the background. I have to – you can't yeah. – I'm a Pirate fan every year when the season starts. But yeah. by Memorial Day every year, you got to pick a team. Every year. It just can't be a oh, Pirate fan so he picks fan the team Memorial that goes Day. into first place over the weekend. Oh, that doesn't say Homer written all over it. They're in the same state. I have always kind of <laughs> rooted for the Phillies. It's a geography thing. You guys went to Syracuse. You got geography. So I should Pittsburgh. become a Mets fan. No, well, well, hey, that's a different thing. You New York people are very, very different. That's the, You're either one or the other. They don't mix. I get it. As far as Peralta's props, I knight the correct if you want to go there. I mean, that Peralta against the Cubs, the lowest one he had was seven, and now they have the worst lineup that they've had all season. Um, I don't think that number's adjusted, actually. You know, if you want to talk about it, like if I was in the room, I'd be like, look, you got to put this closer to, to nine, I think. This, is, this is probably should be eight and a half. Um, I would even argue it could be nine just to give someone a shot to bet under because after everything you just said, Ben, I don't know, sometimes they look too easy, but baseball betting has been pretty easy for favorite bettors for the, the past week, let alone the season. So I'm with you over Peralta case. You know, I'm going to follow you up on that, Dave, because you mentioned how the favorites have been pretty good for people betting them. <laughs> When it comes to the odds makers, John Sheeran came on in our first hour and said it's destroying the books. What do the books do to try to refinagle the odds if the if the favorites continue to hurt them? It's crazy because for years we used to get you know weeks like this and go, all right, what do we do? You can't make someone bet the other side of the game. You can entice them to. You can juice the favorites. You can make the run lines 
you know, what I would dub the FU prices, where, you know, you're going to, you're either going to bet it or say, FU, I'm not betting it. Like, you have to lay a premium. And you guys have seen it. We're in the content business now, right? We see the lines every day. Almost every game is $2, is minus 200 every game. And the big favorites are minus the Dodgers yesterday, minus 320. Um, we're going to see it. Ariel, it's only going to get worse if you like to bet the favorites, which, you know, the other thing that, you know, uh, books could do is fast forward. If we could go in a time capsule, get in a DeLorean and just go to <laughs> September, that would be fine for books as well and be like, all right, football's here. We're good. This is a tough month usually for books um, if the favorites run hot like they are. Dave, another area I was looking for a strikeout prop today was actually looking to fade Jamison Tyone, the starter for the New York Yankees. Jamison Tyone has been fantastic here as of late. He has won six of his last eight starts, but he is facing the Royals in Kansas City today, and the Royals don't strike out a ton, especially in their home ballpark in KC. The fourth lowest strikeout rate at home against right-handed pitching this year, 20.6%. But then you go to the FanDuel Sportsbook and you look at Jamison Tyone's strikeout prop, of five and a half. The over mm. is plus 158. The under has so much juice, it's minus 205. I would never pay that. So why such a drastic difference in the juice in the prices you have to pay on a K prop? Why not just move it up to a six and a half or maybe down to a four and a half when you have all that happening? Good question. How low can you make a strikeout prop to actually get two-way action? I think five, well, as you're talking, I'm like, all right, what is this number? This is probably six and a half. And now you tell me it's five and a half with super juice low. Wow. Um, it's very likely to go under. So take a shot with the fade. Um, I don't know if I would sign off on that one. I think that's a really good number. Like, it's very likely. What is his ceiling, Ben? You know, what's he going to, he's going to strike out nine tonight? Very unlikely. Yeah, it's going to fall right. four, five, or six. Well, four and five are on the underside of that number. And unless he goes deep into the start, which he hasn't really done, we got to get him to go at least seven, I think, to have a shot at going over. And if he doesn't against a team like KC, it's probably likely to go under. So, yes, that's what the book's telling you, and that price makes you uncomfortable. If you want to lay it, that's what, the, that's what it's supposed to do. For odds maker and sports grid's own Dave Cherapin joining us here on the morning after. I actually like something else in that game, and I'm going to stick to it, even though Tom Vecchio said he wasn't a big fan of it. The Yankees team total under five and a half runs is the only other bet that I really like today, Dave. Now, the Yankees haven't scored over that number on the road yet this season. However, the weather could play a factor. How much as an odds maker are you balancing weather versus trends and pitching matchups? I don't know. The weather thing is interesting, and it depends on the city it's in, you know, because obviously, like, the, the Wrigley weather is different than anywhere else. So that one trumps more than anything. I don't know about this Yankee lineup right now, uh, Ariel. That's, that's what I'm worried about. I think they swing and miss a lot, and they have not been scoring. They either score a bunch with home runs, and they go over team total, or – they do what you said. I think I agree with you. I don't. I. I, yes. I, I so if you're, yes. If you're worried about you know what someone thinks and handicap it the way you want to handicap it, 
and stick with it. I mean, take into consideration the other stuff. But I'm with you. I think this is a low-scoring game. I mean, the total is 10. I like under in the game. So why wouldn't I like under in the Yankee team total? Did you say it was four and a half? Five and a half. Even better. I like it more. Because I was thinking it was four and a half and Kansas City was five and a half. But we flip-flopped them. Give me under five and a half. Come uh, on, you Yankees think that the can Royals win five be booked two. as a favorite against the Yankees. Get out of here. Uh, I don't think be so. For 162, and they would still be a favorite against the Royals. Wow! You, everyone in Kansas City wow. disagrees with you, but that's okay. Hey, I'm not saying <laughs> it should right. happen. I'm telling you what probably would happen because the Yankees, again, premium. You're always paying a premium on this team, even when they're not that good. Yes, you you are, um, but. On the road, maybe not as much. In Yankee Stadium with that short porch out in right field and everything that they have going for them, yes, there's a Yankee premium price, especially back east where you guys are. I mean, you have to put them up there because who's going to the book today back east? I mean, there's only five games. Kansas City is likely to be the second most bet on team today behind uh, the Miami Marlins. That's probably going to be number one, and then Kansas City will be number two. And... Not a surprise. We're going to keep Dave Sherapin on with us. We have about 30 seconds of this segment, but we're going to break out into more than just baseball. We're going to go into the other sports. We've got the NFL, college football, basketball. I can't wait to ask Dave about his favorite thing to book, and it's coming up here on the morning after Sirius XM Channel 204, the Sports Grid Network with Ben Stevens. I'm Ariel Epstein. We've got you covered until noon Eastern time here on The Grid. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. With Ben Stevens, I'm Ariel Epstein and Dave Sherapin from here on SportsGrid joining us. But first, make sure that you follow us on SportsGrid and at SportsGrid TV all over Twitter. There's nothing like being informed with all the odds, analysis, best bets all day long. How do you get that? You just have to follow us. Both those Twitter panels, by the way, SportsGrid and SportsGrid TV. Dave Sherapin, thank you for joining us for segment number two here in Happy Hour on the morning after on SportsGrid. Dave, when it comes to the NBA, I'm so glad it's over, to be honest. It felt like it was the never-ending season, yet we still had the Olympics, and now we have the NBA Summer League going on in Las Vegas. It is in Vegas, which means people probably are there. They're going to be excited to go see it and cut and bet on it. How on earth do you bet? How on earth do you book these odds? Um, okay, so let's just get it out of the way. You told me there would be no basketball, and you come right out in the segment and give me a yep. basketball question. That's fantastic. I, I, see, yep. I see where we're at with all this. No, this is really one of the hardest things that I'd say odds makers do. Because it's a complete unknown entity, right? You're almost making numbers on complete speculation, what you think, and what you think isn't really, there's no tape to, to go off of other than college. How are these guys going to play? Who's going to play? And everything else. So it's it's just one of those things where you you don't guess, but you kind of 
estimate really strongly. So, you know, look at Dallas and Philly. Well, you just kind of glance at the rosters and go, okay, Philly's a small favorite. Okay. I'm more impressed with the guys that do the totals. This was not one of my strengths. You kind of got to map out (laughs) what you think the final score is going to be, but how are the games going to be played? How are they going to be officiated? Is anyone taking it serious? Anyone not? Uh, 170. Uh, that's a that's about a score for the basketball game. And you kind of go off of that. So you look at two teams that might be low scoring, you put up 166 and a half. You think teams might be high scoring, you put up 170 and a half, and you kind of go with it. So if you look at the games today, you probably see every every spreads between one, two, and three. It's almost like the first season, oh. the first week of preseason, which is coming up, where you kind of look at it and go, oh, what do we do? So fun. Look at this guy. This is how you know he was a former odds maker, and that's why we call him the sportsbook conciliary, because he's going through and he's using a couple examples, like Dallas and Philly played today at 4 p.m. Eastern out there in Vegas. He said that Philly probably a slight favorite, around three or four. Yep, Philly favored by four in the FanDuel Sportsbook. Oh, you take a guess on a total somewhere around 170, maybe somewhere between 166, 170. That total, 168 and a half. Not many spreads, probably different from one, two, or three. That's all I see. The biggest spread of the day is four and a half tonight between the Suns and the Jazz. Dave Sherapan, folks. That's why we bring him on here on Sports Grid. But, Dave, this brings me back to our in-game live days together, right? And that yes. was through the NBA season. And we would follow trends, mainly in the pop market, on a daily basis. And one of the ones we followed most closely was Russell Westbrook and his rebounds plus assist prop. And the trend would go on. 17 of the last 21 games, 19 of the last 25. So from a bookmaking perspective, how many instances into a trend until you start to update the numbers? Well, for me, everyone's different, right? So for me, if I see it and then like, you know, I have you telling me or I'm watching shows and I'm seeing it over and over, I'm a lot quicker to adjust to it because I need to get bets on the other side. That's the only thing I'm doing. My job is to manage the risk and lessen, you know, the exposure. And that's the way even I bet. Like a lot of times I'll have a really good position or a good bet, and I'm still not sold. It's 100% going to win, so I'll work my position off of it. The same thing with this. If it's going to continue, and like when you watch Westbrook play when we were doing the in-game live show, it was going over by like halftime. So mm-hmm. when it's, you know, one of those things where, you know, I mean, Peralta's K prop tonight, it's 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 the same number every time and the book's not adjusting it, I'm a lot quicker to adjust it. I think people listening to the show can, you know, go on and find their own examples where maybe it's not. And it's not like it's done on purpose. It's just there's a lot of things that the book has to do and offer. They may just not see it or get to it. Dave Sherapin from here on SportsGrid, former odds maker, helping us out with breaking down the futures market. And we're going to break down the NFL now. I will switch us away from basketball because I know you didn't want to talk about it. But if you don't want to talk about football, then you got to get kicked off the show. The NFL season, week one, is approaching in about a month from now. Dave, the hardest part about betting week one is figuring out the right time to bet it because these odds have been up now for months. When is the right time to jump in on week one lines? Great question. Um, The right time is when you have the money and you think you're getting the best number. Now, that could change. 
one injury in preseason, one, you know, bad report, one position battle that you thought was going to be one thing goes another way, and a line's going to change. So if you are ahead of the information, you can make the bet now. I think what's funny is, like, we would put these numbers up. So these numbers pretty much went up in May. We used to do the exercise back in the days at CG. We put up lines for every game. And some places in Vegas did do that. So you can find lines for every game of the NFL season, including totals, which is amazing to me. Again, um, you might see a couple bets, but what people do, the reality of it is they don't bet it. So, Big A, if you want to jump in now, you are more than welcome to. And you might get the better of it. The thing about not betting it now is that you won't have the best information. So that's the hesitation. That's the rub. But you know, we had a guy come in once and bet every Cincinnati Bengals game for the entire season, weeks 1 through 17. And I was like, are you a fan? And he's like, well, yeah. You know, So he bet the Bengals majority of the time he took them. But I'll never forget, he bet the Steelers in both matchups. And I'm like, what are you doing? He's like, we never beat the Steelers, and I hate your team, and I have to bet them. So, okay. And the guy put five dimes a game on the games. That's eight, he spent $85,000 on in August. It was unbelievable. But it happens. Wow. It happens. Dave, we talked about NBA Summer League, and you said it's booking uncertainty. I have to imagine booking preseason games in the NFL is much the same way. So how do you start to book a preseason game? What's like the first thing a bookmaker looks at? Um, the schedule. You know, so it's if it's week one of the preseason, it's different than week four of the preseason, right? And there used to be a kind of a playbook for coaches. Week one was just survive. Week two, we kind of have position battles and we kind of have a plan. Week three, the starters pretty much played the first half. You got a consistent effort. That was the truest week. In week four, you might as well have been playing circus music in the back. You had no idea what was going to happen, and, <laughs> and booking those games and betting those games wasn't advisable on anybody's part. So we got week one, right? Um, who's playing at home? Who's not? Who's got a quarterback position battle? where a legitimate one-two battle and even a three trying to get a roster spot, they are going to be favored, most likely. When you have the established guy, you know, in the position and the backups aren't even real, I mean, they're already set, those teams usually aren't motivated and teams, they don't get bet. The totals, the, the totals, you can't make the totals low enough in week one in the preseason. You cannot. You saw it in the Hall of Fame game. I, I went on a show uh, and, and said I would put it up as 31 and dare anyone to bet over. And that's almost the way you have to approach it in the book. You see the totals, only one is close to 40, and that's because Dallas is apparently going to have the best offense in the history of the NFL going into the season. If you haven't heard that, that's what everybody's saying. So they're going to play hard. They're going to score. They have they have all the weapons. Every other total is 36, 35, 34, and every spread is one, two, or three. I'm not saying you're throwing darts, but good luck betting the first week of the preseason. <laughs> 
Dave, the weirdest team to me with the weirdest movement has been the Vegas Raiders. Now, you're confused because oh. you have a Phillies hat on, a Pittsburgh background, but I know you live in Vegas. The Vegas Raiders go from 41 to 1 to 37 to 1 to win the AFC. Why is the line movement in favor of Vegas? I I don't know. I can't figure it out. Sometimes sometimes these lines move and even sitting now I mean, I used to sit in the book in the risk room and go, what are these people doing? Like, I don't understand it. you got to move the number a little bit to kind of mitigate the risk. But, man, people make some some crazy bets sometimes. And, and I don't know. There's there's a lot of things, like, we can read into it. And you guys do a great job of it, you know, with, like, looking at lines and wondering why a line is a certain way. And there's reasons sometimes why. Sometimes there's not. And this is one I can't explain I don't know. I'm looking forward to Baltimore and Vegas in week one of the regular season. This one, I mean, I know someone on the show's a Ravens fan, and they're favored by four and a half points in Vegas. The first game with people in the seats, we're laying four and a half points. I don't know. I'm just saying that we might have to we might have to have a little talk about that one little personal bet. No, it doesn't exist in the gambling world, that game. It just It's just a game. Are, are you coming? Are you coming to the game? Yeah. I don't know. Is SportsGrid flying me out? Maybe. We got to yeah. talk to somebody. We'll, we'll see what we can do after the show. We'll make some calls. Maybe we'll, we'll tweet it out at SportsGrid or at SportsGrid TV. Right, that, got us. Mm-hmm. At SportsGrid, at SportsGrid TV. Both of those handles, not only to find the winning edge, but also what Ariel Epstein's travel plans might be for week one of the NFL season. Dave, we only have, have about a minute left here in this segment. It has been a pleasure having you on. In all of the futures bets, when there's so many markets right now in the NFL, Super Bowl, divisional odds, conference odds, team win totals, and your experience in the book, what did most of the tickets come in on before the NFL season? To win the Super Bowl, and it's not close. Everybody wants to make a bet on it to win the Super Bowl. You have all the season wins, and that's a limited market. The divisions the divisions are pretty popular, too, but it's easily the Super Bowl. It's even more. It's not even close to even the AFC-NFC. Um, and now with the 17 games and you know all this stuff, like everything's different with all that, it's, it's to win the Super Bowl. And believe it or not, there are people that bet the New York Jets to win the Super Bowl, the Jacksonville Jaguars <laughs> to win the Super Bowl. People bet every single team to win the Super Bowl. So uh, hope springs abound at this time of year. Uh, after Usually after two weeks, people are wondering, why did I do that? Even their whole $1. Trust me, I have a lot of friends who have been betting their $1 on the New York Jets to win a Super Bowl every year. Those poor people. Why? I could give them like a dollar pizza for that. It's way more worth your money in Manhattan yeah. to buy a dollar pizza, especially at 2 Easy. in the morning. <laughs> no like doubt. I mean, you at least the coffee, you get something, right? Or the pizza. I don't know. <laughs> exactly. There is no joy that comes out of putting a dollar on the Jets to win the Super Bowl, especially when no. your hopes and dreams die by, like, week six or seven, if that. But, Dave Sharapin, thank you for joining us here on The Morning After, former odds maker and all over the grid. Where can people find you? Uh... We'll be on today from 4 to 7 Pacific, 7 to 10 Eastern on uh, Sports Grid in, in Game Live, and then on the radio with Kevin and Donnie. This is the middle hour, mm-hmm. and then the, the last hour again back on TV with uh, Dane and I believe Scott Wenzel's back from vacation. So we got the whole nice. gamut today. 
We'll have it all. Love it. Make sure to catch Dave there <laughs> later tonight. For Ben and I, we will be back with our best bets of the day until Bet to Us part up next. Sports info is everywhere. We cut through all the clutter and bring you. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Final segment on the morning after on Sports Grid. Thanks for tuning in on Sirius XM Channel 204. With Ben Stevens, I'm Ariel Epstein. It's time for our best bets of the day. Let's get to to bet to us part. I don't like the way the juice is moving on this. I don't like that Tom Vecchio doesn't like this. I'm just going against the grain anyway. Yankees, team total under, five and a half runs. I'm going with the trend that the Yankees have not scored six or more runs on the road yet in the second half. There's a lot of talk about the Royals and how bad their bullpen is. Well, this team ERA has gone from a 5.13 pre-All-Star break to a 3.95 after the All-Star break, which ranks 16th in the league. It was one of the worst in baseball prior to the break, and now they're getting better, more middle of the pack. Kansas City's two of their 10 games at home have only allowed five and a half or over five and a half runs. So only two out of their 10 home games in the second half of the year, they've allowed this many runs. And the Yankees, as road favorites, are hitting 60% to the under. As home dogs, the Royals are hitting 65% to the under. Things just seem to trend under here. I'm going under five and a half for the Yankees team total. Ben, what do you got? Ariel, you're going under on a team total. I'm going over on the team total for the Cincinnati Reds today against the Cleveland Indians. Over five and a half total runs for the Reds. The Reds have the best offense in all of baseball since the All-Star break. They are one of the hottest teams who have won five straight games. And these two teams have two of the top five highest over percentages in all of Major League Baseball this year. Since he is third at 56.6%, Cleveland fifth at 55.2%. The number you see at five and a half, since he has gone over that in five of their last seven road games, I think Cincinnati goes over their team total of five and a half against Cleveland today. I like it. Cleveland, the eighth highest over percentage when playing at home, hitting at 56% also. So a pretty good hitter's park as well. For Ben Stevens, I'm Ariel Evstein. Thank you for joining us here on The Morning After. Thank you to all of our great guests today as well. We'll be back tomorrow, 9 a.m. Eastern time, right here on The Grid. Make sure again to follow us at SportsGrid and SportsGrid TV on Twitter. We'll be back tomorrow. Good luck to your bets later today, and hopefully going against the brain doesn't come back to bite us. See you tomorrow. Remember, you can listen to Sports Grid on the radio, TV, satellite, or the internet.